Last year, we presented a review about a Christmas TV special that was the byproduct of a holiday music classic. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. And not unlike Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, that's exactly how we're going to be ringing in the holidays this year. Unlike Grandma, however, the song that this TV movie was based on gets a very, some would say, unique reaction from people who hear it year after year. It's either a song that tugs at the heartstrings... Or a song that can make one hunt down all the radio stations and Walmarts that play it one by one until the song itself is wiped off the face of the earth. With that said, we want to preface this by saying first and foremost that we are not a podcast that reviews music. We review television. Therefore, we'll try not to have any opinions to give about the song itself in one way or the other. Though, if this TV movie is anything like the song it's based on, I'm gonna need eggnog spiked with grain alcohol just to help me get through this. He didn't know he needed a miracle until one happened. So what are you gonna do with all that real whole lot of money? Buy my mom some Christmas shoes. Inspired by the hit song and best-selling book, The Christmas Shoes. And now... If you don't listen, someone else will. This is Telehell. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I really didn't want to review anything connected to today's subject. But a few weeks ago, I got called into my boss's office and... Let's just say they sort of sucked me into it. Almost literally. Send in the fuckhead, would you? Ow! Ah, crap, I forgot about the pneumatics we have down here. If you ever get promoted down a couple of circles... (laughs) Yeah, like that's ever going to happen in this millennium. You'll get your own tube, and you'll get used to it however you want. Anyway, listen up. This time of year, the opposition is trying to cram all sorts of goodness and kindness and peace on earth down everybody's throats like it was an orgy. So, for your seasonal assignment, I want you to trash something very special for me that'll show all of those with good souls up there that even the most, uh, pure of things can be taken down a peg or two, no questions asked. I'm all but certain that I'll have no choice in the matter, so sure, why not? Uh, What are we talking about here? A bad holiday cartoon? A holiday episode of a TV series with a misguided message? A holiday event on live TV where something goes horribly wrong? None of the above as I'll let the following slideshow explain. Hit the lights! The three people you see in front of you are named Eddie Carswell, Leonard Alstrom, and D.C. Daniel. Together, this unholy trinity came up with one of those music groups that appeal to our opposition. They call themselves New Song. In the year 2000, they unleashed something diabolical onto an unsuspecting public. Their album, Sheltering Tree. 
At the very end of the album, they snuck in a song about a guy who buys a kid a pair of shoes for his terminally ill mother. A move that's supposed to teach the man the true meaning of... Oh, I can't say it, but hopefully you know what holiday I'm talking about. Anyway, the song was a modest hit when it was first released, peaking at number 31 on Billboard's Country Chart, number 42 on the Hot 100, and number 1 on the Adult Contemporary Chart. But then, year after year since then, the song became more popular and gained more fans and foes alike. So much so, that the song was later adapted into a best-selling book. And that book was then turned into a 2002 TV movie. Both book and movie had an okay reception, with the song itself still slowly becoming more and more popular, and nobody else really gave all three of them much thought. That is, until November 2009, when comedian Patton Oswalt gave this... thing... the attention it deserved in one of his stand-up specials. It is the eeriest, most horrific Christmas song I've ever heard, and I like Christmas music. So I'm not against Christmas music. I'm against this dark, disturbing song, and it's called Christmas Shoes. And it's a... Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Jesus, God. The song is called Christmas Shoes, and it's by a Christian group called New Song, which I don't know why... Why would you name your group New Song? You're just going to be living in an Abbott and Costello routine for the rest of your life. Now, I'm not saying the song's further increase in popularity and notoriety was exclusively his doing, but since then, that infernal song book and TV movie can't go one single year without making its presence known. And that, in a nutshell, is why I called you down here. To review this TV movie that the wretched song inspired, and to tear at a new asshole so deep that it would require a platoon of coal miners to perform its colonoscopy. Sure, I'll do it. But... How is this any special? Aside from how vomit-inducing the song is, I've always felt a little jealous that I wasn't the one who came up with it as a form of torture for down here. So, figure this is less of a review and more of a score to settle. But if it's your score to settle, why have me take it down? Number one, TV is your beat, not mine. Two... As much as I want to appear on the face of the earth during the holidays, not only can I not do that until the apocalypse starts, but I've also got a major tinsel allergy that'll make me break out all over just by looking at it. And three, have I mentioned the whole you're here forever and you must do my bidding thing? Skip this review and I'll turn you into one of those Charlie Brown trees that I'll give to Cerberus to mark his territory with for the rest of eternity. Are we clear? Ugh, very. Also, I'm expecting the big guy to show up any minute so I can hand him this year's naughty list. When he shows up, just validate his parking and show him downstairs. Well, he has been here a number of times. I think he knows the way by now. Save the smart-ass comments for the review, okay? Now get out of here, fuckhole. Don't you know any other tricks? Oh, 
So, naturally, here we are. And since the boss already gave us most of the backstory of the song leading into the book, leading into the movie, let's talk about production of the movie itself. The movie was spearheaded by two veteran TV producers, Craig Anderson and Beth Grossbard, both of whom were responsible for their fair share of TV movies over the years. They, along with longtime game show factory Fremantle Media, would bring the story to life, almost literally since, spoiler alert, the overall plot of the movie would pretty much be note for note what the lyrics to the song and the contents of the book will be. So naturally, we need people to portray those who are mentioned in the song. Your busy man who's annoyed that he's shopping for Christmas, your poor child who wants to buy his mother some deathbed shoes, and the mother who is both doomed and pleased to wind up wearing them. Our annoyed cynical shopper will be played by our returning champion and reluctant victim of an Oscar performance number, Mr. Rob Lowe. Oh, Mr. Lowe, I'm such a fan. Really? Well, I'm a big fan of yours, Snow, but you know, there's so much I'd like to know about you. Don't worry, folks. Even the movie's producers aren't cruel enough to make him sing the title's song. He's only here to act, I promise. Although, had he been given the chance to sing, maybe he could have used a pointer or two from the real-life husband of our doomed mother, played by Kimberly Williams Paisley, former stage daughter to Steve Martin in two Father of the Bride movies, married to country music legend Brad Paisley, and longtime tolerator of Jim Belushi's bad sitcom jokes for eight years. You know, Jim, you're making some really valid points here. Thank you. But all I'm hearing is wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Okay, three quick caveats before we get started. First, it being a TV movie, we have our rules that we only judge the content of the movie and nothing else. Much as I want to tear the source material a new one, a reminder that we are not a music criticism program. Though, I get the feeling that comparisons are going to be inevitable anyway. Second, I also have a feeling that this movie is going to go through the same treatment that Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer did and that they somehow managed to take a five-minute song and stretch it out so much that it would give Elasticity a bad name. Even worse, because Grandma got stretched into a one-hour special, this is a two-hour TV movie, 90 minutes without commercials. So we've got our work cut out for ourselves. And finally, even though we're the manufacturers of torture in this and all other worlds beyond, we wouldn't be so cruel as to play you any snippets of the Root song itself as a point of reference. That, and as of press time, we're still simulcasting our show on YouTube, and given what happened last year with all the Dr. Elmo songs we used getting us blocked, as well as a certain media company losing their shit over an obscure 1970s time-traveling choo-choo train, it wasn't like we were going to do that anyway. However, that doesn't mean we can't still reference the lyrics. Enter once again, Patton Oswalt. The song is called Christmas Shoes, and, um, and I'm going to take you through it. Um, very briefly. So the first verse of the song is, it was almost Christmas. As the boss mentioned, it was his stand-up on the song that may or may not have ironically helped garner more attention to it than it ever deserved. So instead of playing snippets of the song, we will be referencing the stand-up routine from time to time just to help swallow a bitter pill. At least for us down here, anyway. And by the way, I'm going to recite these lyrics, because the dude that sings it, sings it like this. It was almost Christmas time. 
Because that's his way of saying, look, I'm singing in a Christian rock band. Ladies, make no mistake, I will lay the fucking pipe into you. Do not... December 1st, 2002. UN weapons inspectors try in vain to look for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. The movie Eight Mile, as well as Eminem's Lose Yourself, gives Marshall Mathers some mainstream street cred. And at 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Central, CBS drew the short straw to air this TV movie, which begins, as some Christmas movies seem to do, at a cemetery. I know most people decorate grave sites on Memorial Day, but my mother loves Christmas. So, regardless of the weather, every Christmas, I made my way to the cemetery and decorated her stone. And as the former Brad Packer turned game show host does exactly that, he comes across a random guy in a Boston Red Sox cap, who is also here to do his fair share of mourning. Forgot how cold it could get up here. You know, from around here? Moved away a long time ago. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. If we're open to it, the smallest of miracles can change our lives. A laughing child. The car that needs fixing. The New York Jets winning a second championship. And thus, the stretching of the thin material begins. Because remember, this is a 90-minute TV movie based loosely on a five-minute song. It's probably going to take us about a minute or 40 to get to the actual lyrical content. Instead, we must give our cynical shopper a backstory of some kind. Starting with the fact that he's pretty much the embodiment of every Hallmark TV movie protagonist who has ever existed before they ever became a thing on their own channel. A busy corporate type who pretty much puts their career before other, more important things in life. You are coming tonight, right? Everyone is testing me today. Well, pick up some roses, and please don't wait to the last minute. I've got a bunch of farmers who are trying to keep their irrigation water running. That's the big case I'm on now. It's big to the farmers, isn't it? Dean gets all the corporate, Tom gets the real estate, and I get stuck talking to a bunch of guys on tractors about the short-nosed suckerfish. Sure, remember that from the original song? Well, get comfy, because I'm going to be asking that question a lot during this movie. Anyway, en route to work, a delivery truck speeds past low, and after hitting a pothole, a pair of Christmas shoes slip out the back end. All the while, Lowe tries to get the driver's attention. Hey! Sure, Lowe does have a car of his own, so he could follow the van and get their attention, but <laughs> who needs an exciting car chase in a Christmas movie? Meanwhile, we get to meet the future recipient of the shoes in probably the most ambulatory state that she'll ever find herself in throughout the movie. Sorry. Joe Montana, you want to watch me you throwing that? I was just trying to teach my son how to throw a spiral. <laughs> Fingers on the laces. A lot of wrist. Are you sure this isn't a secret movie made for the New York Jets? <laughs> my mom was taking you so long. I saw. Go, go, go! <laughs> I mean, it's not like she's dying or anything, right? Moving on, we get to know the family of the bride. 
and that simply having a roof over your head can make you feel fortunate in spite of the need for material possessions. Oh, here, Ma! I got it! I got it! it. We're not getting a dog. No way. Why not? Why can't I? You had a dog when you were a kid. Hmm, that's a good point. Well, that helps. Are we poor? No, we just don't have a lot of money. We got everything we need. Well, I need a puppy. But before you go thinking to yourself that the father is just a tightwad who's only looking out for his family, we soon get to find out just exactly why money is a little tight around here. Look, uh, any word from the doc? No news. So what... (coughs) What about... What? The puppy. Oh, that's a dirty trick. (laughs) What about it? It's not funny at all. Well, that's a little devious, don't you think? I mean, I know the song pretty much spells out her fate, but knowing what we know about it, you don't think that maybe pulling a move like this might be a little too dark for a Christmas movie? That'd be like if Tiny Tim's crutch broke in half and he did a face plant the second he closed out a Christmas carol. But I digress. We soon find ourselves at the boys' school, where he gets to learn a little foreshadowing of his own. Finally, one morning, the girl awoke and told her mother the dream. She lay in bed, unmoving, and said, I don't want to dream anymore. Why, her mother asked. Because I'm tired of dancing alone, the little girl said. But you never dance alone, said her mother. You are dancing with angels. Introducing our newly installed alarm of subtlety. It will go off whenever things appear in whatever we review that's about as subtle as a knee to the groin. Just a little Christmas present I bought myself this year. Act 2 starts with the West Wing Sam Seaborn hard at work at his law firm which, by the by, the movie makes the weird choice of referring to as an office of barristers and solicitors, which I always thought that's what they called lawyers across the pond. But then I'm reminded in my notes that this movie was a co-production with filmmakers in Canada. What are you doing in Canada? (laughs) Making a movie, I would assume. Anyway... We see that the host of Mental Samurai is doing some busy work. So how many farmers are involved so far? Well, right now we've got 28, but... We'll we'll double that. We'll break in a sweat. Yeah, I've got a list of names. I need all the paperwork. Mm -hmm. I need the hydrology reports on the area. I need the water rights going back to the late 19th century, prohibited easements, Mm -hmm. everything. Remember that part of the song? Of course not, because the song is about a pair of shoes and the goodness that they're supposed to bring wasn't it? Oh well, enough busy work. Let's get back to the school where they're setting up for tonight's recital and Rob Lowe's movie wife meets up with our soon-to-be-doomed purveyor of stylish footwear. You were a music major? Yeah. Until I met my husband and he was studying law. There were loans that needed to be paid and music didn't seem very practical, so I switched and got a degree in business. And then you had a child and you stopped working. Something like that. How about you? Oh, I'm a music major, too. In my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your husband must be proud of Lily. He is. He is. Is he here? He's on his way. No, he's not. Isn't that right, newly introduced mother of the low? Oh, honey, I'm sorry I raised a bum for a son. You didn't. He just can't stop working. 
Like his father. So as we head backstage, we see Mrs. Brad Paisley trying to pull herself together, even though something is clearly wrong with her. Mom? Oh. Thank you. I love you so much. Okay. Break a leg. Oh, Lord, help me through this. <gasps> Don't worry. It'll only go off a couple dozen more times in this movie. So the performance goes off without a hitch, save for that life-threatening one the teacher has. And young Robert Wagner from Austin Powers comes home to try to justify his absence. Work, work, work. That couldn't have waited. Dalton, tell him he won't know tired till he reaches my age. <laughs> Listen to your mother. Good night. Goodbye. Sign it. Drop it in the mailbox. I gotta go home. Robert, don't just make money. I hear you. Make memories. I'm listening. Seriously, it just turns into a white noise machine after a while. You can fall right to sleep with it. Yes. No time in the day to cram in what you absolutely had to do till 8.30 tonight. It's not like I didn't want to go to the concert. And then even after everybody's gone for some reason, I just can't seem to leave. You know, I'm used to you, Robert. I know you think you can do everything even though you can't. It's Lily I worry about. It's Whisper Quiet! Really? Wasn't she wonderful? We're all proud of Lily Layton. What a terrific future she has. Well, she may have a bright future, but have I got some news for you. Maggie, your test results came back. Your heart's not pumping well. That's why you're having trouble breathing. You're in congestive heart failure. Wow, we... thought it was the flu. It's myocarditis. I wish it was. I really do. What does it mean? It means the muscle cells of Maggie's heart are being destroyed. And it's getting worse. What do we do? There's nothing more I can do. I want you to go to Boston for some tests. Act three begins lather, rinse, repeat. Because once again, this is a five-minute song disguised as a 90-minute TV movie. We repeat the moments where Lowe's family reminds him that there's a big school performance that his daughter's going to be in, he promises that he won't miss it, and he once again comes into contact with the Christmas shoes. All the while, Lowe is too busy to care about either one of these things and instead puts all his focus on farmers and their ways of irrigation being threatened. Okay... Fortunately, so that people don't tune out too soon, there's this one wrinkle added to the act that may or may not explain why Lowe's character is so damn busy all the time. And hopefully, with any luck, this will be our last Christmas in this house. Next year, Madison Hill. Madison Hill? I don't want to live there. You'll love it. You have a bigger room. And you have an interview with Bowser Pharmaceutical at 10 a.m. Interview for what? For Mommy's new job. Unbelievable. I thought we were going to talk about this. Talk? Forget it. I'll try to make the interview. I pulled a lot of strings to get you in front of the line. Fine, Robert. Okay, case closed. I'll go. I don't think the lady is acting. I think she's genuinely pissed off at Robert Lowe for trying to force work over the family. But just to be sure... I can't believe how cheap this was at Hell's Gift Shop! Meanwhile, 
our doomed bride comes to terms with just how much she's up against. Maggie? What is it? Are you all right? Do you want me to get the doctor? I can't do this. I don't have the strength. Can you do me a favor? Sure, of course. Take over. You mean today? No, I mean the Christmas program. Oh, Maggie, no, I, I couldn't. I don't have the skill. But you were a music major. I know, but that was a long time ago. I, I can't, I'm not capable. I can't. But you have the heart. See, because heart can mean two things in this case. The will to want to do something and her metaphysical inabilities due to her body shutting down. Aren't you glad I bought this thing? So, Mrs. Rob Lowe, I honestly don't know this character's name, decides to take Paisley's place as choir director, which is great. Until you realize that this is a non-profit volunteer position that pays nothing. And here hath no fury, like a Brad Packer scorned. What's going on, Kate? Missed your appointment. Something came up at the elementary school. What are you talking about? I'm doing the Christmas program. This is not happening. You did not blow off Balser Pharmaceutical for an elementary school Christmas program. Please tell me that you're joking. Maggie got sick. Maggie. The music teacher, Robert. The choir. Give her an aspirin. Is that your problem? Uh, yeah. Um, you see, uh, she's not the kind of sick where you take a pill and you feel better. Yeah, you see, uh... She's dying, you dick! She's waiting for a heart transplant. <laughs> an opportunity to get an amazing home at a great price but we can't get it if you don't go out and get the job robert and by the way why can't the school come up with a replacement isn't that why we pay taxes but can somebody else volunteer or can somebody else be responsible why you why not me robert why this is important to me maybe this is something that'll make me feel good look i know it may interfere with your game plan of what's best for you this is about me it isn't about me it's about the family Oh, this is your dream scenario. You just want me to follow you. You don't know what my dreams are? You know what my dream is? I'll tell you. I'd like to go into Dean's office just once and say, hey, why don't you give this case to some other associate? But I don't. You know why? Because I have a family to support. I'm sorry we're such a burden. Oh, please. I'm just saying. And what are you saying exactly? That... You care more about money and yourself than you do the people around you. That you won't truly feel 100% fulfilled until you have a house on a hill that you can look down upon the so-called common people with. I think MC Hammer tried that once and it didn't exactly work out too well for him. Not now! I mean, I've been in hell. Hell! For the past five years now, arguably and statistically the worst place ever known in all of existence. What I wouldn't give for life in a quiet mountain town with people who care about each other. Or any life, period. You know what I call a living space these days? I live in dirt. That's right, dirt. And dust. And skull fragments and bone chips, and entrails, and human remains, and fecal matter. And the only things that I have to my name is a rusty desk 
1984 model CRT TV that's constantly on a fritz, a VCR with zero head cleaner, a computer with no antivirus software, and a 56K modem if I ever wanted to watch something current, and all the crap TV that I have to watch as a punishment for being here. You should be dropping down to your knees and thanking whatever deity you worship or even having a life to begin with. Because there's going to be a lot of people out there far worse off than you. You know, people who are dying or dead, for example. But please, do go on about how your wife, who wants to do something fulfilling, cramps your style. I'm just saying, you don't know what my dreams are. Maybe that's the problem. <sighs> Look, I'm not saying you can't have dreams. But the second you say I do to someone, anyone, and you start a family with them, your dreams suddenly become their dreams. And nine times out of ten, it is the dreams of others that take priority while your own may wind up getting deferred for a little while until you can pursue them again. That's what being a responsible parent is. I personally have never been a parent when I was alive, but I do know once upon a time I was raised by two of them and they did their damnedest to raise me right. And not a day goes by when I miss them and they miss me. I wish I could find that out for sure down here, but... What are you gonna do? Anyway, moving on. The boy of the doomed mother can't sleep. And upon realizing that there may not be that many Christmases left to spend with her, he wants to show that he'll always care. Nathan, what is it? What's the matter? Your heart. I just wanted to make sure it was still beating. This was more of an impulse purchase that I made on Cyber Monday. And besides, I think this last act got me just uh, a little wound up. I'm going to take a breather, and I will try to finish this exercise in heavy-handedness after the break. There's more for your Christmas at Sears. Save $20 on this Craftsman Timing Light. Now just $29.99. This special purchase one and a half ton floor jack is only $29.99. This exercise bike with speedometer, just $99.99. 
And this cassette car stereo with coaxial speakers is $99.99. So wrap up a beautiful Christmas. This week on Telehell's premium content of the damned. Yeah, I'm uh, ready. Uh, so just like a fading, like, uh, wait, so just um, like a, ah. Uh, yes, but that sounded like it was pulling away. This one, I just need you to pull forward to the mic. So oh, pull forward, like. Yeah, so start from uh, a distance, then end up in front of the mic. I like, ah. Uh, uh, one more time. Let me do do an example. Just listen very carefully. Okay. Like that. The only way to listen to Telehell's premium content of the damned is by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast for just a few bucks a month. You can listen to our premium content and get some swag along the way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash podcast. And now, back to this week's torture. <sighs> okay. We're back. And I feel a little better. Though... Not by much. As we are now halfway through the movie, and only the seeds of the song have been planted. We have yet to see or hear any part of the song come to fruition just yet, so naturally there's still more padding that needs to be done. Starting with Pawnee, Indiana's best attorney bringing the self-titled Christmas shoes to a local department store, where he hopes to simply get rid of them by this point. Excuse me. You work at Wilson's? Better than that, I own it. Tom Wilson. Hey, uh, this fell out of a mail truck a while back, and you were closed. I probably should have gotten it to you. Oh, hey, most folks wouldn't go through all that trouble. Doesn't look like anything I ordered. It's not exactly our style, but we'll give it a try. All right, thanks a lot. That was me good deed for the day. Hopefully, that creates a snowball effect where Lowe does even more good deeds to make up for what a dick he's been in this movie so far. <laughs> Okay, I didn't say it was going to happen overnight. I'll call you a tow truck. No, I I got to get this to the dealership. No, 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 trust me. I, I know just the guy. He's honest, he's decent, and he knows cars. I mean, you can't beat it. It'll save you time. Yeah, all right, thank you. Thankfully, for the sake of this being a small town and a small world, the best tow truck guy in town also happens to be the husband of the bride. We'll do a diagnostic test. It's uh, It's probably electrical. I need this car back as soon as possible. I'll do what I can. Good. Oh, listen, at night, why don't you put a cover on it, okay? There's lots of Okay? Now that's the kind of guy that drinks cappuccino. Who, just as he starts to work on Lowe's car, gets a beeper call that there may be a new donor heart for his wife. Remember that from the song? Of course not, and I think we get the point by now. The kid is left in the care of one of his fellow teachers who, we should mention, is played by another returning champion, actor Dorian Harewood, who played the voice of Michael Jordan in the Pro Stars cartoon. Clockwork, I know you can hear me. If you do anything to my little homeboy, you'll answer to me. That would be unbearable, wouldn't it? He's pretty much there to help cheer up the kid and... Have you ever known anybody who's died? 
awkwardly field questions that no ten-year-old boy should be asking, unless he read Bridge to Terabithia at that age. Take it from personal experience. No. Hey, I bet you're hungry. I sure am. Come on, let's get out of here. I know I shouldn't make jokes in this part of the movie, or any part of the movie for that matter, but think of how twisted it would be if that scene were used for a fast food commercial. Have you ever known anybody who's died? No. Hey, I bet you're hungry. I sure am. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm loving it. And as the kid goes to lunch, Mrs. Lowe takes over the music class. And to spare you the boredom, she does her job pretty well. In fact, the daughter is pleased because at least one of her parents is actually there for her. Cut back to the boy, who's now being watched by the mother of Lowe, and is also showing off some of Sonny Boy's baseball gear. Which I'm also going to skip over because of just how rabid a Boston Red Sox fan either he or the people who made this movie are. Why do you think they call people like us damn Yankees? All the while, Mrs. Paisley is awaiting her heart transplant. Because, again, that happened in the song, right? Jack, why didn't they do the procedure? I don't know. The news isn't good. Lab reports came back on the donor heart. It had been a perfect match to your blood type, but it was infected with hepatitis B. I'm very sorry. So what do we do now? I mean, there must be something we can do. Maybe there'll be another donor. That's always a possibility, right? With Maggie's immune system failing and her blood type being so hard to match, the chances are, well, we may have missed our window. At the risk of going on another rant, I invite you to look up the life and the work of one Dr. Robert Jarvik on your own time. And once you do, you'll see why creative licensing may be one of the most devious things ever devised in the world of creativity. Pivoting back to me and Mrs. Lowe, who's still a bit on the angry side with Soda Pop Curtis from The Outsiders. I want to make an offer on that house. I thought you said we couldn't afford it. Well, the Christmas program will be over in a couple weeks, and after that? I don't know after that. Kate, what are you trying to do? What's going on? I like seeing our daughter at school. I like working with the kids. Maybe I want to teach. Go back to college. Yeah, and get my teaching credential right. When did this come up? Robert, I've been trying to talk to you for months. You're never here. And even when you are, I can't seem to get your attention. I'm just trying to make a living, Kate. But what kind of living is it, Robert? And at what cost? We just happen to be two people sharing the same house. Sometimes the same bed. Not much else. I think I'm going to make the offer anyway. And from this point forward, for the rest of the movie, until he changes his ways, I'm just going to call this guy asshole. This has nothing to do with Rob Lowe as a person or a human being. I'm only talking about this character in this movie. He is the one I will be calling asshole. Please don't sue me, Rob Lowe. We begin Act 5 with Asshole discussing things that are probably better suited for his eventual job on 2003's short-lived The Lion's Den. And we're getting the expert out of Woods Hole. He's available, but he's never been used as an expert. And? Well, what if he freezes on the stand? And we still have that marine biologist, Dr. Davis, from the Stanley case. I can't use that guy. Get me Woods Hole. He's the guy. Purity is claiming the farmers are taking too much water. He's going to testify the fish are dying when the lake levels are at their highest. He's going to kill. Gwen, get it together. Asshole! Hey, Jeannie. Mr. Layton, I've been trying to reach you. <sighs> yeah, no, I've, 
had a bit of a long day. It's about the Madison Hill House. I'm sorry to say there's been another offer. Well, what do you mean there's another offer? Someone came in higher. And they're accepting it? I'm afraid so. But, well, you promised me that I was in first position. Asshole! And while he's being an asshole, Mrs. Asshole, who I'm sorry for settling with that name, but maybe when she inevitably divorces him can revert back to whatever her maiden name was, tries to restore some humanity while speaking with somebody who's about to exit the plane of human existence. Just hold on to what you saw good in him all those years ago. I don't know if I can do that anymore, Maggie. So how long have you two been married? <laughs> Not long enough. Oh, Maggie, I'm so sorry. No, I have to... The thing about Jack is that he's not ready for what's coming. He's not ready at all. What about Nathan? I don't want to leave them, Kate. I don't want to leave any of this. (laughs) And it's right about here, some 47 minutes into the movie, that we finally, finally... Finally! Get to see some of the source material being put into use here. So every year on our anniversary, we get dressed up and we go out dancing. That's so romantic. Mm. I used to have this pair of dancing shoes. I don't know what happened to them, but... uh, Every time I put them on, I just felt so special. Just for a few hours, once a year. This was magic. (laughs) Poor Jack. My sentiments exactly. So picture this. You're a kid. You spot the perfect gift. You can't afford the perfect gift. And you live in a world where apparently either weekly allowances don't exist or your parents are going through financial hardships in order to give you one. So, what do you do? Dad, Dad, Dad! Dad, I need a job. I need a job now. Please, I really... You run into your father's workplace and humbly request a job in spite of the fact that there are federal child labor laws preventing such a thing to take place. As you do. Dad, Dad, I really need to make some money. Dad, Look, please, I... Nathan, we're not getting a puppy, okay? But, Dad, it's not about puppy. Well, if it's any consolation... One good asshole deserves another. You kept my car an extra week, and where do you get these kind of numbers? Well, injectors in a car like this are very expensive, Mr. Layton. Money like that for an injector, no wonder you're dying. Asshole! However, it is his assholic ways that helps give the boy an idea. Now, you didn't do too well on your last math test, young man. I know. You better than that. Hey, look at this! This is great! Great. What, it's an empty, dirty can. What are you talking about? Yeah, but it's worth a nickel. A nickel will buy you a steak and kidney pie, a cup of coffee, a slice of cheesecake, and a newsreel. With enough change left over to ride the trolley from Battery Park to the polo grounds. There's a can. Remember that part of the song? No, because they never specifically mention how the kid got the money. He just didn't have enough of it. You know what else is not a part of the song? Asshole powwowing with farmers over water and mineral rights. This purity company is like an environmental hunter. They don't care about the fish. They want your land. They've cut off your water, land prices fall, and you've got to sell. Then they buy at fire sale prices. It ain't the fish that's endangered, it's us. My grandfather was a farmer during the Depression. The bank took his land. I don't know if we can win. But we can fight. 
I've talked to experts till I'm blue in the face. Whatever's killing the fish, it isn't your irrigation. Well, sir, if you don't win, we won't be here the same time next year. Which, okay, I'll admit, at least this scene shows just exactly what kind of a lawyer asshole is. Which, in turn, greatly reduces the number of asshole points that he has at his disposal. Water is important for farming. Farming's important for food. Food is important for everybody. Suckerfish can suck it. And the circle of life keeps spinning. Praise the truck farmer. Bow down before him. Worship the truck farmer at the church of your choice. Offer burnt sacrifices to the almighty truck farmer. Hail, Hail truck, truck farmer. farmer. Hail, Hail truck farmer. As we then slam ourselves from life spinning along to life on its way to being derailed. Nate, why didn't you answer me? I wanted to surprise Mom with these lights. Your mom needs rest, not surprises. Your supper's ready. Nathan, thank you for the lights. They're beautiful. Oh, darn the luck. If only the song was called The Christmas Lights instead. And speaking of life getting derailed, remember Asshole's Mom? You know, the lady who appeared for a grand total of... Let's see here, let me carry the one. About six minutes of screen time while trying to impart wisdom onto some of the characters. Ordinary things, Robert. Just simple, everyday things. Your father missed out on so many of those things. He never shared those memories. And in the end, in the end, I think he would have liked to. Well, I hope not, because... Yeah, for a short time, it goes so quickly. She lives on within us, Robert. Remember that part of the song? The part where a second person is dying that didn't wear any fancy footwear? Me either. And while I'm sure that's going to be a tipping point for our main asshole later on, let's just pay a little more lip service to our source material. I'm going to be seeing a lot of angels soon. You are? In heaven. Why is God taking you to heaven? I don't have all the answers, Nathan. Look, I really don't want to keep being cynical for a movie like this, so to answer your question about why Mama's heading for our opposition, let's let somebody else answer that question for you, albeit in relation to an aviary creature. It's passed on. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to see its maker. It tasted bereft of life. It rests in peace. If you hadn't nailed it to the perch, it would be pushing up the daisies. It's rung down the curtain and joined the choir invisible. This is an ex-parrot. Hopefully that explains things. God be mad at me if I told him I didn't want him to take you to heaven. Well, given the options between up there, down here, and purgatory, I think it might be wise to stick with the better of the three options. Trust me on this. I have to. Then take me with you. No, I need you to stay here with old dad. No, he's just going to fall apart if you're not here to take care of him. Okay. Nathan, even though mommy has to go, always know that I'm going to be right here. Promise. I promise. Know what, Mom? Every time I feel my heartbeat, I'm gonna think of you. When you should be thinking of Dr. Robert Jarvik, but since he wasn't a part of the original song either, let's move on. 
Act 6 begins with the aforementioned passing of Asshole's mother and the funeral that follows afterward. Certainly, a moment like this is going to be more than enough to snap Asshole out of his corporate ways and maybe, just maybe, experience life for what it is. Unlike our future footwear recipient, who's just about done experiencing hers. You sure you don't want to stay? It's Christmas Eve, Dad. I've got stuff I have to do. Okay. Hurry back. And thank the Dark Lord we can actually turn on the autopilot for a while. Hit it, Patton! So the first verse of the song is, It was almost Christmas time. There I stood in another line. Just trying to buy that last gift or two. Not really in the Christmas mood. Oh, there's a guy in line at the store. He's a little cranky. He's a little cranky at Christmas time. Man. Standing right in front of me was a little boy waiting anxiously. Pacing around the way little boys do. And in his hand he held a pair of shoes. Okay. Little kid in front of him holding a pair of shoes. Here comes the next verse. His clothes were worn and old. He was dirty from head to toe. So he's like a Dickensian street urchin in a world full of hand sanitizers. He's, have you got a hay penny, sir? And when it came his time to pay, I couldn't believe what I heard him say. Here comes the chorus of the song. Sir, I want to buy these shoes for my mama, please. It's Christmas Eve and these shoes are just her size. Could you hurry, sir? Daddy says there's not much time. She's been sick for quite a while, and I know these shoes will make her smile, and I want her to look beautiful if Mama meets Jesus tonight. He counted pennies for what seemed like years. Then the clerk said, son, there's not enough here. And then, I'm not going to recite the rest of these goddamn lyrics. The little kid turns around to the guy in line and goes, I don't know how I'm going to buy these shoes. The guy, the grouchy guy in line, pays for the shoes and the kid is happy and he runs out of the store. Now we get to the bridge of the song. The bridge will make you lose all hope that we live in a just or sane universe. Here it comes. I knew I caught a glimpse of heaven's love as he thanked me and ran out. I knew that God had sent that little boy to remind me of what Christmas is all about. And for the sake of convenience and wanting to get out of here as fast as I can, that's pretty much what happens over the next 18 minutes, give or take a few extra creative liberties. Kid comes up a few bucks short on the shoes, he tells the clerk about mommy wanting to look good for the opposition's second coming, and Rob Lowe gets to be called Rob Lowe again because he covers the tab for the shoes, officially making him not an asshole anymore. So much so that by the time Mrs. Williams Paisley goes unceremoniously kaput and the town holds an impromptu memorial service for her, Lowe and his family eventually reconcile, with a little assistance from the farmers who he worked hard to win a lawsuit for. Remember that part of the song? Is this your husband, ma'am? Yes. Well, I'm sure to appreciate everything Mr. Layton has done for us. You know, he's been burning the midnight oil, and mm. that's hard. But we'd be lost without him. Your husband has given us hope this Christmas. Hell, truck farmer! Hell, truck farmer! Do you know how much I love you? No. 
you and Lily. And I want you to teach. You were born to teach. And I don't care about getting the house. I don't care if you go back to school. I don't care about any of it. I've been so stupid. But not so much stupid that you and other supplementary characters practically get to relive these lessons two more times. Holy here, I wish I was making this up, but yes, the Christmas Shoes spawned two more TV movies. 2005's The Christmas Blessing and 2009's The Christmas Hope. Movies that I hope we never get a chance to review because there's only so much cynicism I can dispense this time of year without making myself look like just as big an asshole as Rob Lowe did in this movie. Which concludes with Lowe opening up his mother's last Christmas gift and some words of wisdom. Dear Robert, I've been thinking about when you were a boy. You had so much passion for everything. You used to talk about the great things you would do when you grew up. I just want you to know that no matter what difficulty you may face, God will be there. It may be in the sound of Lily's singing or Kate's laughter, the simple things. But if you listen, you'll hear it. Which neatly brings us back to present day and the guy in the Red Sox cap that we met at the start of the movie. You're the first person I've seen here on Christmas Day in years. Just think of the same thing. Well... I gotta go. Hit the books. You in college? Medical school. Merry Christmas. You too. Nice cap. Thanks. If we're open to it, the smallest of miracles can change our lives. A laughing child. Pot roast dinner. Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson becoming indestructible cyborgs. Comedy rule of threes. Just wanted to get that one out of the way. The smallest of miracles can change our lives. Even a pair of shoes. Yep, the guy in the Red Sox cap turned out to be the kid in the Red Sox cap. A plot twist that Frank Capper himself would probably put on the blacklist as part of a HUAC hearing. Ask your grandparents or great-grandparents what those were. Because quite honestly, it'd be a hear of a lot better than having to sit through this movie again. Let's review. There's a guy in line. He's a little cranky on Christmas. God looks down and sees this. Somebody in a bad mood on my son's birthday? Bullshit! Give that kid's mom cancer. Make sure he's in front of him in line. Make him seven cents short for the shoes. This guy will buy them, and then he'll be in a good mood. I almost feel like Jesus is behind God going, I don't think we need to give a kid's mom cancer. You shut the book up! It's going to be the best birthday you ever had. It's going to be the best birthday you ever had. Folks, I don't know what to say here. Who am I kidding? I just spent nearly an hour talking a lot about this. But there are still a number of questions that need to be answered. For starters, why would a movie and, by association, the song and the book that it's based off of get such a bad reputation in spite of its intentions? Even more so, why do people keep flocking back to this story again and again if all it's going to do is keep dividing people? It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. And that somebody's going to be me in our nine circles. Limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery. 
Like we say with our TV movies, we judge based on the content of the movie and nothing else. So let's begin with something easy, such as the fact that this movie has a common bond with Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, in that they took a five-minute song and then shoehorned in a number of things that bloated the story to the point of unnecessary. So we gotta at least grant heresy from the source material. Unlike Grandma, however, at least the Christmas shoes kept its story more down-to-earth so that it avoids getting rung by fraud. As for the story itself, a lot of the complaints that people have expressed both about the song, the book, and the movie is that a lot of it feels a little too exploitative. Not unlike our thoughts years ago on The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Episode 39. Not just to those who are sick and dying, but also to people who may not be as well off as others financially. So, yeah, I can see why some people might act a little wrathful towards all three of these every time they come across some version of the story in their travels. I mean, hell, even some people who are fervently on the opposition side has expressed similar concerns, stating that the song portrays the guy upstairs as a malevolent portrayal who inflicts needless suffering on others to teach some jerk the true meaning of Christmas. Enter Rob Lowe as that jerk, whose character was an asshole for 90% of the movie because he was a slave to work disguised as good intentions to give his family a good life with a larger house and extra money. So you know there's going to be some unintentional greed and All of which is taking place at possibly the most gluttonous time of the year from a consumer's point of view. The whole point of the holidays is not about materialism, or at least it shouldn't be. It's about being with loved ones who care about you and don't worry so much about trivialities getting in the way. Like, say for instance, irrigation for farmers. The Christmas Shoes TV movie earns four out of nine circles of telehell. But now, because it's the holidays, let me attempt to at least put a little salve on some previous burns. Truth be told, count me in as somebody who will more than likely never be a fan of either entity of the story. Song, book, movie, or otherwise. But that doesn't mean that it still can't be appealing to those who legitimately enjoy it. And yes, there's more than a fair share of them out there who do. Why do they enjoy it? Because despite how flawed the rest of us think it is, it gives everybody else a sense of hope in this wearying world of ours that even the smallest of good deeds can go a long way, no matter how heavy-handed the message is being conveyed. That was largely the point of Rob Lowe's character redemption. Years of being selfish and cynical, thinly disguised as the greater good for his family, even though they clearly wanted something else in their lives, suddenly negated by an actual act of actual goodness that changes his point of view. That, I feel, is the message that's being a little garbled up. Simply say, do good deeds and the world will smile on you. Don't be so dramatic about everything with people dying and people being assholes. Just spell out the message in a succinct and subtle way and just move on to another holiday. I mean, you don't see the opposition getting this passionate during days like Valentine's Day or St. Patrick's Day or even Easter... bad example. But the point is, if the song was just a little lighter on the heavy-handedness, maybe it wouldn't have such a visceral reaction from everybody else. And... Maybe then it can find its rightful place among all the other Christmas earworms that we hear from November to December.
Hey, Santa, he's waiting downstairs for you. Oh, let me validate that for you very quickly. There we go. <laughs> Thank you kindly. So, you decided to cover the Christmas shoes this year, I see. Well, I didn't exactly want to review it, or anything else that comes my way. The boss seemed to want to make it a priority, so, you know, kind of have to do what I have to do. But as long as you're here, what do you think of the whole phenomenon behind it? Well, truth be told, I try not to pay attention to any of those songs this time of year. I'll be honest, I enjoy all kinds of music. Pop, rock, R&B, country, techno, chill, classic hits, jazz, blues, and sometimes, if the mood is right, even a little gangsta rap. All Christmas music is to me is a mass hypnosis tool to get people interested in shopping and making gift lists. One month of that a year is more than enough. I mean, how many different variations of Deck the Halls or Jingle Bell Rock does one really need to hear anyway? But what about this song? Well, you kinda hit the nail on the head in your summation. A lot of people either really love it or really hate it. But not unlike all the other holiday shows you've covered here over the years, it's okay if one's opinions are different from others. But if you want my opinion, the song's okay. Especially because it does what it's supposed to do. What's that? It brings families together. With endless debates as to whether or not the song is truly bad or not. It's probably the only time of the year when weird uncles, overzealous aunts, fathers who wear red caps, mothers who vote blue, brothers, sisters, cousins, cats, dogs, and all kinds of creatures can actually speak to each other. Well, maybe not literally for the animals, but you know what I mean. Granted, it's not quite the togetherness one would hope for, but any conversation is better than none at all. Yeah, I know the feeling. It wouldn't be Christmas in my family without some kind of discord. Well, knew the feeling. You know, after all this time, I, I, I kind of wonder if they're still thinking of me. Oh, I'm sure they are. Just as I'm sure all families think of their lost loved ones this time of year. Which reminds me... Here's your present this year. In spite of my knowledge of all the gifts in the world and their recipients, this one's a bit of a mystery to me. It's an audio cassette with no label. You wouldn't happen to have a tape player on hand, would you? Oh, we get all kinds of junk here on the limbo floor. Largely electronic items that no longer work, or factory recalls and stuff like that. We just shove them in the fire to keep it burning around here. I think I got one in my desk somewhere that I've been tinkering with. I think I have it running just a little slower, but at least I know it's running. Well, I hope you enjoy whatever this is. Anyway, gotta say hi to you-know-who. I'll see you around. On Dasher! On Dancer! 
and on, and on, and on, and on. Ho, 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 ho. Well, only one way to find out what's on this thing. Wonder what this could be. Favorites today is easy, easy 99.1. As we approach 10 o'clock, it is Mother's Day, of course, and I would like to close out the show on a very apropos note. So, ladies and gentlemen, via telephone, I would like you all to meet my mom. How are you doing today, Ma? Hi, how are you? I'm doing just fine, and how are we spending Mother's Day today? Oh, just relaxing, maybe going out for brunch. That's about it. Okay, any uh, any particular thing in mind on the menu? No, probably, you know, a light, a light lunch. Well, now there's a difference between lunch and brunch. So. Oh, you know, between breakfast and lunch, it's brunch. It's an early lunch. There you go. Well, hopefully you have yourself a good, relaxing day. I love you very much, Ma. I miss you. By the way, I did send your card out on Thursday. If you don't get it this weekend, it's not because I'm a bad son or anything. It's because the mail service is slow. That's okay. Make sure you have yourself a good day and uh, just stay good, okay? Okay, honey. Thanks. I love you, too. Today's easy, easy, 99.1. It is the first day of summer. It is also Father's Day. And since I already let my mom on the air last month for Mother's Day, it's only fair to offer equal time. So, ladies and gentlemen, via telephone, I would like you to meet my old man. How you doing? I'm doing good, Brad. How are you doing? I'm doing as good as I can get on a Sunday morning without caffeine. How are you going to be spending Father's Day today? Uh, probably the same thing I always do. Figure out how to take over the world. <laughs> But that's why you had a son, so he can take care of that for you. <laughs> Good to hear you still laughing out there. <sighs> what do you know? Very nice, Santa. Very nice. I can't top that. Happy holidays, everybody. Coming in January on Telehell. In our never-ending quest to do things a little differently from time to time, and also because I need to prepare some shows with guests for later on in 2024, our next three shows for January will all drop... On the same weekend. Or to be more specific, January 28th, 29th, and 30th. And that weekend in January is going to be the first theme month for the season. It being the new year, I think it's about time that we took a look at some new shows. Announcing something new. It whitens, it brightens, fights black, kills colds on contact, tastes homemade, fortified with vitamins, gets the whole wash clean, removes stubborn stains and ground in dirt, it slices, it dices, fights rust and corrosion, and just one calorie. Guaranteed for five years or 50,000 miles, cuts waxy buildup. Yes, you'll never scrub again. It's new, new, new. It's the new shows. Until January. If it's not in telehell, it's not worth a damn. The part of the boss was played by Darren Marlar, whose show Weird Darkness can be heard wherever you stream podcasts or at WeirdDarkness.com. And yes, the voices you heard at the very end were the actual voices of my actual parents back when I used to do radio DJ work for a living. Love you, Ma, and love you, Pa. And I hope you like what I got you this year. And a happy whatever it is you celebrate, everybody. 
Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. You know that thing that people do in order to communicate with each other without actually having to look each other face to face? You know, social media? Well, we do that. Look for us on X, Facebook, and now Blue Sky. All three of them at Telehell Podcast. And don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe, and pretty much tell us what you think of our show everywhere that you can stream us. And also in our complaint line, telehealthpodcast at gmail.com. Ho, 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 ho.